This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Friday, December 1st. And now, please rise for the singing of our Welcome to episode 137 of the Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. And this is uh, what used to be a weekly baseball podcast. Now a monthly, or yeah. bi- bi-monthly. Yeah, it's been a few uh, a few weeks since our last recording. Uh, actually, uh, episode 136 was uh, the Astros recap, so... Hmm. Even before that uh, was our last actual recording. We went from talking... Uh, literally every day to uh, yeah several weeks in between calls. Uh, yes. Well, Paul, it's December. It's the month of our birth. This is a big birthday for us. It's our golden birthday. Were you aware of this? Uh, no. Golden golden is in... Oh, sorry. Yes, the day... Paul's, Paul's a little rusty, folks. <laughs> Well, one we're bringing out the zinger. One we're recording, and now it doesn't know what a golden birthday. It's November thirtieth, so it's not December. It will come out in December. I get yes. get what you're saying. So that threw me off for you're a second. You're saying you didn't understand golden birthday because it's November. No, I was flustered because of that. Uh, I'm good now. Yes, I get what you're saying. What what explain to the audience? Golden, birthday, golden birthday is when your uh, age matches the day that you were born. There you go. There you go. Yes. So December twenty seventh, we turn twenty seven years old. So happy early birthday. Same to you. I assume you have my gift ready? No, I don't. I think they were both a baseball team last year, if I recall correctly. Yeah, you got me a uh, a Schwarber sweatshirt. A Schwarber lumber sweatshirt, and then uh, you got me some Bill James. A bit undersized. <laughs> I got you uh, baseball abstracts and uh, Frank Thomas mm-hmm. starting line figure. All right, uh, well... <clears throat> intro to this week's podcast, episode 137. We officially say g- goodbye to the 2017 season. Uh, we had planned to do this a couple weeks ago, but um, just some things pushed it back. So we are uh, still giving our 2017 recap podcast. And I feel like it's timely because we're past the point where everyone has already done that. But uh, we're kind of getting close to the point where everyone's going to start doing that again. Hmm. You know, at the end of a year, everyone looks back, and so the last couple of weeks in December, we'll get a lot of people, you know, looking back at the 2017 baseball season. Yeah, there were moments as I was researching from like the first half of the year that I like didn't know off the top of my head if they were like early this year or early last year. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about the Bryce Harper fight mm-hmm. on Memorial Day. Yeah, so we'll we'll give the definitive recap of the 2017 season, uh, including. Paul and I, we each came up with our top five moments from the year, and we'll have uh, audio clips for each of those. And then uh, at the very end of the episode, we're going to give a update on the future of A Foot in the Box. Um, we have a kind of a big announcement, but then also um, some things that we're considering or pursuing, and we'll fill you in on that at the end of the episode. But before we get to any of that, um, it would not 
feel natural unless we talked about the offseason that's underway. Uh, it's been a pretty quiet offseason, but we wanted to still discuss <clears throat> mainly the Shohei Otani and Giancarlo Stanton uh, rumors, I guess, at this point, or updates. Both players are um, you know, two of Panay's favorites to, to cover, and it's weird for Otani that he hasn't played any games in America, but uh, big fans of Stanton and Otani, and so we wanted to just briefly touch on them before we get to the 2017 review. Which one do you find more interesting? Uh, definitely Otani. Mm-hmm. So for those that don't know, uh, Shohei Otani uh, is a 23-year-old from Japan, uh, 6'4", 215, and uh, the, the unique thing about him, other than the fact that he's you know a great Japanese young player that's going to come to the U.S., uh, which doesn't happen very often. Usually they're in their late 20s. Mm-hmm. I think Ichiro came when he was, what, 27, 28 years old? Yep. So Otani's young. He's a great player. Uh, but what makes him really unique is that he's both a really good hitter and a really good pitcher. Mm-hmm. And so uh, teams that are making their pitches right now are having to sell him on the idea of, of uh, the pitching and hitting with that team because Otani wants to do both. Right, and I'd say the thing that also makes him really unique is the because he's young uh, and coming over as an international player, it's not like the highest bidder. Um, Teams have to post $20 million. That's set. Yep. Um, but after that, uh, teams are, are capped on what they could spend on him. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's going to get some exorbitant amount of money. It's not like the Yankees can swoop in and offer $100 million. So it really, really does depend on the fit. And he sent out you know, sort of a questionnaire. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw that. But that those questions kind of do matter because he's not choosing based on money. He's choosing based on fit. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of... NBA free agency, mm-hmm. you know, like when, when they have suitors come in and give them their pitches, like LeBron, what, 2010, that free agency, mm-hmm. um, yeah, summer after our freshman year of college, uh, like you, every team is offering the same contract, uh, other than like your hometown team could offer a little bit more, but each team is offering the max contract, and so it boils down to like fit and maybe like endorsement money. If you play in a, a big mm-hmm. market, things like that. Um, but this is even crazier because it's such a small amount of money. It's like a LeBron on like a minimum contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, but I think that's what makes like uh, you know for the Reds and the A's and the Mariners who have all kind of made big pushes to say that you know we're interested, we're gonna try to get him. For those teams, this is like a huge deal because they could get this. You know, $150 million, and that's probably what he would go for on the open market. I could get him for like $3 million. Right, yeah. The leaderboard I have here uh, has the Rangers can offer $3.53 million, the Yankees at three point five, and This, this is tw- just for the first year? Right. And the, the, or the signing bonus. The Twins at three point zero seven. That's their international um, player budget. Yeah, I think the Cubs, it's like 300000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's not, not much. Yeah, so it's it's fascinating. Um, I know there's been some doubt recently about like I saw uh, Joe Sheehan wrote a piece today or yesterday about um, Japanese pitchers and kind of poured some water on um, the fire of everyone getting excited about him just because there hasn't been a ton of long term success from uh, Japanese starters. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like after getting after watching Darvish get pounded in Game Seven. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little skeptical of his ability to pitch 
at the major level for for like years to really? come. But um, it's very racist of you. <laughs> um, but we'll see. It's still interesting. Did uh, Aroldis Chapman's failures in 2016 make you doubt Cuban players? And it did not. No, but I just like Darvish and Dice K were good pitchers, but they just didn't. They weren't like Cy Young sure. contenders for years. There's been Darvish is like the only one that's been really good. Yeah. Nomo won Rookie of the Year, but yeah. And I always get confused. I know some guys are from like Korea, and it always kind of reveals. Uh, yeah, Chinming Wong. My ignorance. Yeah, it was South Korean. Yeah, so Otani, twenty three years old. He's six four, two fifteen. I didn't realize he was so fast. He's been clocked uh, home to first faster than D Gordon. Hmm. Who's considered you know one of the fastest. And you believe that? Yeah, I mean, this is like legit. This isn't like some. Hmm. Yeah, I I hadn't heard that. That's to have great. an actual time, it's like three eight or so, three point eight seconds. That's to have crazy. that time, it's not it's like crazy. some uh, story or myth that like Japanese people are saying. Um. What? what where would you put your money? I don't know. It's wide open. Um. You know, obviously, I'm rooting for the Cubs to get him. Uh, I think it would be fascinating to see how he how he'd be used. But if I had to guess, you know, like. Mariners, Yankees. Um, I'd probably put my money on either of those two. I'd go Mariners. I don't know. He, he's an interesting guy. When he graduated high school, he was like a phenom. Had thrown like 99 in a famous Japanese high school baseball tournament. And uh, he had even flirted then with the idea of coming to America. So it's always mm. been on his, his mind that he wants to play in America the Japanese team that he played for kind of sold him on this idea that we're going to prepare you to go to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And so that was always his end goal. Uh, just to give people some stats, if they're just wondering what type of player he is, 2016 was his big year. And uh, Paul and I actually interviewed uh, a writer from Japan in 2016, yep. summer of 2016, to talk about Otani because he was uh, such an electrifying player even back then. Uh, so offensively that year, he had a 322 average, 416 on base, and a 588 slugging with 22 homers. And then as a pitcher in 140 innings, he struck out 174 batters with an ERA under two. Uh, and then 2017, offensively he was decent, uh, but he had an ankle injury that really prevented him from pitching, so he only started five times. And that ankle injury actually took him out of the World Baseball Classic, which would have been really cool to see him play. Mm-hmm. before the season started uh so yeah i don't I, I don't know where he'll go you know seems like every team should be trying like should be posting the 20 million to see if they end up getting him have yeah. the white Sox been mentioned at all uh i've seen a couple um uh, the white Sox thrown around a couple of times but i think that's just because chicago writers are looking for something to write about <laughs> sb nation right um yeah the... i feel like everyone every fan base is writing like you know, this is why you're know, like the Cubs pitch to Otani. You're like, what? What the Diamondbacks can offer right. Shohei Otani? Uh, there'll be 21 days after uh, he's officially, uh, I don't know what the right term is, posted. Yeah. Um, Hasn't that already happened? No, not yet. Hmm. It's supposed to happen this weekend. So. Okay. Yeah. So before Christmas, right? We're so. still, yeah, a little under a month away from it actually happening. I have a Otani jersey. As you know. Oh, damn. I forgot about that. Uh, 
I still haven't like figured out the best setting to wear it. Um, it's not the type of thing you put on like when you get home from work and you switch into like sweats and stuff. Casual Friday at work. Yeah, not the type of thing you wear at work. Tuck it in. But also, yeah. So I, I'm kind of waiting for him to play in the big league so I can like wear it to a, one of his games or something like that. Mm-hmm. I guess any baseball game I could wear it to. Yeah, it's be. like a really cool jersey. Uh, right now, amongst like really nerd baseball fans mm-hmm. and you hope that in like five years it's a really cool jersey for a broader audience sure too. and right. i think right i mean if he not... if he's like incredible if he's like an each then i could probably sell it for a lot of money down the road but... sure over under for 2018 for otani uh 50 innings pitched in the majors mm, i will say i'll say under i'll go over i think right. we'll start and then uh 250 plate appearances I'll say it. I'll take the under on that as well. Okay. I'll go under. It's it's interesting. So in Japan, he's much more proven as a hitter. Like this year, he only started, uh, only made five starts as a pitcher. But as a consistent, like 300, uh, 400, 550. But more teams are talk, talking about him as a pitcher here, right? Yes, but his potential is higher here because he can throw 100. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting kind of, right? I don't know. So you would expect maybe the opposite based on his stats in Japan. I, I'll say long term, he's a hitter in in America. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, uh, moving on to Gene Carlo quickly. Uh, Gene Carlo turned twenty eight years old in uh, November, November eighth. Uh, he has how many career homers, Paul? 210. 267. Hmm. And, uh, you know, what What makes him unique for a player that young with that many homers, uh, why he's even available on the trading block is because of his contract. He is signed through uh, 2027. <laughs> uh, and his contract isn't crazy. So he signed it a few years ago, but uh, it was really backloaded. So 2016, he was paid $9 million. Uh, this past year, he was only paid $14 million. And then these are the next uh, nine, ten seasons. Uh, $25 million, $26 million, $26 million, $29 million, $29 million, $32, $32, $32, $29, million, and $25. Him. Which, you know, he probably would get signed for something close to that. Like, that's a Pujols-type contract for a guy that's a couple years younger. Yeah, like Pujols. Verlander and Cabrera are making 30 a year, right? Yeah, so I don't think it's outrageous. And teams like the Cardinals and the Giants, um, probably the two highest, and Dodgers, those three would probably be the highest um, likely likelihood. Yes, and I'm... All, bit, all, all three of those have the money to make it happen. Yeah, I'm a bit confused. Uh, it seems like the Marlins have kind of resigned themselves to like, okay, if a team will cover 250 out of the 290 left, then we just need a kind of a minimal prospect package in return. And that seems, I don't know, that that just seems like a bad compromise. Like, they don't have to trade him. I uh, think to make the to make the books work, it sounds like they're pretty motivated to, the payroll has to be a certain amount. So it's either they keep, just can't keep, afford him. keep Giancarlo and trade everyone else, or trade Giancarlo and keep, you know, Dan Straley and uh, Christian Yellick and those those players, D. Gordon, 
Hmm. But like, I feel like, um, Fangrass has written about this before, but like anytime there's more than one team interested in a player, it's a, um, a seller's market. And so like, because the Cardinals and, um, uh, Giants are both interested. I just feel like, you know, settling for Joe Panic in return for. Well, it's Joe Panic plus other prospects. Yeah, I guess. It just I would I would be bummed as a Marlins fan, no. kind of regardless of the outcome. Of course, yeah. Derek Jeter uh, has not done any, himself any favors right. in terms of his popularity. All right, uh, prediction on where he goes. I say Cardinals. Um, Giants is my guess. Really. Yep. I think Mosielek is, is feeling the heat and is kind of frustrated with how things have gone the last couple of years. He I like, to make a change. I like the look of him in San Fran. I think he'd be good out there. He's mm-hmm. from California. Yeah. Wouldn't be as many homers in that park. Uh, is left field not? It's just a huge I outfield. I don't know about left field. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that was our offseason chatter. I don't really care too much about... Uh, Anything else in the offseason? Like, I care. Wade Davis, watch. Otani, Stanton, and then, like, what the Cubs do are, like, my main concerns. Uh, but, like, the free agent market outside of these two guys. Uh, Alex Cobb. Like, uh, J.D. Martinez, Jake Arrieta, like, just doesn't do it for me, especially with next year being the Manny Machado, Bryce Harper mm-hmm. crazy class. Jose Abreu, reportedly to yep. the Red Sox. Yep, uh, things should be picking up here. I think uh, just things aren't going to start shaking out until those two guys know where they're going. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, well, that um, was the offseason update. Uh, let's recap the 2017 season. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. All right, so the way we're doing this, um, first we're just going to talk um, generally about the 2017 season, things that stood out. Uh, different players, teams, factoids, uh, as we think about the 2017 season, things that we'll remember uh, or things that you should remember about the season. I'm uh, uh, really bad at remembering things about the (laughs) season, and so this is helpful for me to even... uh, It's helpful to do this podcast so that I remember things about the season. Uh, And then after that, we're going to do our top five moments of the 2017 season. But first, let's uh, let's just talk about the season broadly. Uh, what are some things that will stand out to you, Paul, as we move on from the year that was? Well, one of the things that I had completely forgotten about it came in spring training, and it was uh, the USA winning the World Baseball Classic, oh, wow. yep. which was a big deal. And I felt like we talked about for uh, weeks or months. <laughs> uh, kind of gave us something to talk about during spring training. Um, I'm a huge World Baseball Classic fan. Yes, you are. I miss it during the season. You have a jersey? Jersey? I bought a uh, Baez Puerto Rico jersey. Yes. And uh, I would buy a USA jersey, but they are hideous. Mm-hmm. Awful. I'd buy a hat, I'd buy a jersey, but the logo's awful. Yeah. So I, I think the U.S. had lost uh, two in a row or three in a row. For, I think, is this the fourth or fifth? They hadn't won one yet. Right, and I don't, they never made the finals before, um, so they got over the hump. Uh, Marcus Stroman pitched the the championship game, pitched well, beat Puerto Rico, so that was a a fun moment. Yes, absolutely. Had the Adam Jones catch in mm-hmm. the semifinal, I believe. Yep. Um, when in in right center at Petco Park, so yep. that was cool. 
Uh, I think just maybe the biggest things um, that I'll remember, to me it was the year of uh, the home run. Maybe more than anything, this will get remembered as the main thing from the year. Most home runs that were ever hit in a season, uh, 2.52 home runs per game. That was up 7% from the previous high, which was in 2000. And that's nuts when you think about 2000 being the height of the steroid era. Uh, obviously, that led to a lot of talk about juice baseballs, which uh, we've talked about on the podcast many times before. Seems like that's probably what happened. Um, it wasn't illegal. Like There's a pretty large area uh, for the baseballs to be legal when they're tested. And mm-hmm. So it seems like maybe... In an effort to increase offense, you know, maybe they tweaked it a little bit, but it was still within the guidelines right. of what was legal. Yeah, the bad look for baseball isn't so much uh, the fact that they altered the balls because it's they're not breaking any rules, but the bad look was more about them lying about it. Well, but that hasn't really been proven. Yeah, definitively well, yet. But Manfred has said over and over again, like we, the balls yeah. weren't changed. So I mean, but there hasn't been anything that's like would like hold up in like a court. To show that he's, yeah, lying. I mean, the Ben Lindbergh piece was was fairly. I mean, close there's a to lot that. of pieces like that, and a lot of like good evidence. I just there hasn't been like a rock sure. solid thing yet. Um. Well, and the, so year of the home run, but also year of dominance. So three teams with 100, 100 wins: Dodgers went at one hundred four, Indians one hundred two, and the Astros at one hundred one. Uh, it was the first year with multiple one hundred win. Uh, teams since 2004 and then uh, looking back so 2004 had two but uh, 2003 2002 and and 1998 had three as well so it seems like it's kind of goes in swings so in a five-year span in the late 90s early 2000s you had a lot of 100 win teams and it seems like maybe we're entering in that Mm -hmm. era Um, I'd be surprised if there weren't a couple next year as well yeah that's that's good uh i think actually the thing we'll remember most more so than even like home runs is aaron judge's season uh breaking the uh, home run record for rookies first ever rookie to hit over 50 homers um and he he dominated he had a a slump um in like late august early september but other than that he was the best power hitter in baseball mm-hmm. um i think he had 12 homers in July, 18 in August, or something like that. So, uh, dominant, dominant year. Probably the most anticlimactic uh, rookie races. But you said... R- rookie of the year races. Yeah, definitely. You said 12 in what? I think he had like 30 in the the two uh, summer months. 30 homers. I felt like he went on a slump after the home run derby. Oh, really? Yeah. He was dominant before. I mean, the story going into the All-Star break was how good he was. Hmm. And then he was bad in July and August. And then in September, he was great again. Yeah. I'll have to check my facts. Yeah, you will. I'm telling you, that's what happened. Yeah, I think Judge, Giancarlo. Uh, Stan- Stanton had 12 and 18 in uh, July and August. Sorry. Okay, yeah. I mean, Stanton, yeah, Stanton was consistent the whole year. Judge had these crazy streaks um, to start the year and to end the year. So those two guys definitely, especially with their home run derby performances, uh, Cody Bellinger, you know, I think I'll remember him this year had had the most homers for a debut season, so like his, in his first 
just season at all in the big leagues. He had the most homers. Judge, Judge broke the rookie. The record. number that blows me away with Bellinger is he had uh, 22 homers in his first two months as a pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came up in like late April. Yeah, and he had that stretch, 10 homers in 10 games, which was the broke a record. Yep. Uh, some other things that I don't remember. Uh, uh, so Trout got hurt for the first time in his career. Carlos Correa got hurt, same injury. Noah Syndergaard got hurt, which wasn't all that surprising after his uh, offseason of <laughs> bulking up. But uh, overall, injury is not that big of a deal. Like I, I don't, you know, some years you look back and you're like, you know, we were we were robbed. Yeah. And with Trout, I definitely felt that way. But um, it seems like it was a maybe below average year for the amount of injuries. Yeah, 2016, I definitely felt like was more injury focused. We had the arm. Uh, the book that yeah, we covered on the podcast. Um, the I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but the streak, the the Indians winning twenty two in a row, yep. which depending on who you ask, broke a record or be- came in second. I think our definitive stance as a podcast was that they came in second. Mm-hmm. Um, but an amazing streak. Uh, they were dominant um, in all facets of the game, and you know were. At least was my prediction to get to the World Series heading into the playoffs. But yep, I think the two biggest surprises, uh, team wise, the Brewers and the Twins. In my opinion, and then the two biggest busts were the Giants and the Mets. Would you agree with that? Surprises, yes, or uh, positive surprises, yes. Your two busts were the Giants and Mets. Yeah, I'd say probably more so the Giants than the, the Mets. I wasn't all that high on the Mets. The Twins were the, the first ever team to lose 100 games and make the playoffs the next season. Hmm. Um, the I've got three big surprises. Uh, offensive players. Okay. Can, can you guess any any of them? Uh, offensive players. Hmm. Justin Turner? Nope. Same team. Plays outfield. Oh, Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor, who hit uh, two homers in his first four seasons of the big leagues. And hit 21 this year. Hmm. Uh, give me teams. Uh, infield for the Nationals. Zimmerman's resurgence? Yes. He went from a negative 1.1 to a positive 2.7 war. Hmm. It's kind of a debate raging whether war is a good stat. Have you, have I've seen, seen a little bit of that, yes. And then uh, first baseman, NL Central, taking steroids, according to Chris Basio. Uh, oh, man. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a story from April. Eric Thames. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, he he had good like on base numbers, but he he cooled off, but he still ended the year with thirty one thirty one homers. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here, great years for Vado and Altuve. I think they don't get as much love, even though Altuve got the MVP. He was fantastic. Um, the Bryce Harper Hunter Strickland fight on Memorial Day that I referenced earlier that was. Maybe the most memorable moment, like uh, image from the first half, those two guys going at it, and then all the uh, guys getting in the fight um, from the bench with uh, Madison Bumgarner not being able to fight because of his mm-hmm. uh, dirt bike accident, and that's something else that we can remember from this year. Is he was out for most of the season uh, because he wrecked his bike. Uh, there was two four homer games. You remember who they were, Paul? Uh, Scooter Jeanette. Of the Reds and... J.D. Martinez? Yep, the Diamondbacks. And uh, 
those were the first uh, four homer games since 2012. Josh Hamilton. Uh, there was one no hitter. Uh, yes, and that actually is one of my top five moments. Uh, Edison Volquez. That's right. There was just one in 2016. Do you know who that was? I do not recall. Jake Arrieta. That's right. And uh, it's pretty surprising because there were seven in 2015. So the the narrative was definitely uh, look at all these hitters striking out, hitting you know swinging for the fences. There's going to be all these no hitters, and then uh, one in 2016 and one in 2017. Mm-hmm. I don't have the numbers on this, but I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, pace of play plummeted, took a significant step back. Three oh four. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all the gain we had last year was lost. Three oh seven our first year doing the podcast and then wait no the first year we did the podcast they did better right right because that our name a foot in the box comes from the the rule being enacted so it was like three hours exactly in 2015 maybe like 304 last year and then 307 this year yeah something like that yeah yeah they uh they have not done a good job of enforcing the foot in the box rule Rich Hill is near perfect game. Do you remember this? I do. He pitched a, it was a no hitter through nine, right? Mm-hmm. I remember this, yeah. So he had a perfect game through eight, but it was zero zero. And then I think there was an error. I'm forgetting exactly, but I think there was an error in the ninth. And then, so he pitched a no hitter through nine, but then lost the game in the tenth inning. The closest we got to a perfect game is why I'm thinking about it. Uh, he had some milestones. Uh, Beltre uh, had 3,000 hits, Adrian Beltre. And then uh, Albert Pujols had 600 homers in a pretty terrible season for him, though. Speaking of Adrian Beltre, uh, lasting image of him this year will be getting ejected for moving the batter's box. <laughs> yes, yes. The most that. petty ejection of all time. Yep, hilarious. Uh, Chad Bettis of the Rockies returning from cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was around August or September. Um, it pitched pretty well for the for the Rockies, who they actually might be they might be a bigger surprise to me than the Brewers. So I'll go Twins and and Rockies as my two biggest surprises team wise. Overall, uh, popularity of the game attendance was slightly down, which was disappointing in my eyes. But weather has a lot to do with that, and it just doesn't move all that much from year to year. Uh, but Attendance was slightly down, but TV ratings, especially in the postseason, remained uh, pretty encouraging. Overall, you had another good World Series matchup, so that helped. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, things looked pretty good, especially with teams like the Yankees and the Cubs and um, like the Astros, Dodgers, big market teams. With yep. Them doing well, it's set up for lots of uh, good things for baseball in general. The last thing I had, you mentioned this earlier, but Derek Jeter uh, taking over the, the Marlins. It's mm-hmm. a, a noteworthy thing that happened after the season. Yeah, it's crazy. A total flip. You know, Jeter was beloved as a player, so respected. And then he goes into the front office afterwards and has done a lot of awful things. Offered a lot of um, Marlins, like ambassadors, Andre Dawson and Jack McKeon and those guys. Offered him like $30,000 for their positions that they had before, and they all turned him down. And then this whole Giancarlo trading mm-hmm. thing, making demands that he accept any trade, and 
Just not a great look. And then you compare that with A-Rod, his teammate yeah. uh, with the Yankees, who was seen as petty and you know egotistical. And then uh, he's beloved now as an announcer. And he, isn't he getting married? soon or is with j-lo again and he was uh mlb live did a like a live instagram <laughs> feed of him today yeah i guess just to show uh baseball's um uh, fiscal strength uh, I, I took a look compared the payrolls from this year to 2010 so uh, this past year there were 13 teams that had a payroll of over 150 million and there were 23 teams with a payroll of over 100 million compare that to 2010 uh, only two teams were over 150 million uh, like i said compared to 13 now and then compared to the 23 that are over 100 million today uh, only eight were over 100 million back then so went from two to 13 over the 150 mark and then went from eight to 23 over the 100 million mark so in seven years, just shows you uh, how much the game has grown um, financially. And lastly, uh, I thought about the games that I attended, the the best ones and the worst ones. I think I went to about maybe like 12 MLB games total this year. By far the worst two games I went to, uh, game five of the NLCS, paid 180 bucks to watch Jose Quintana crap himself. <laughs> And then uh, John Lester uh, in the game before the All-Star break didn't last um, through the first inning, gave up 10 runs. Yeah. Um, so both of those felt exactly the same. Just Cubs never had a chance, never mustered any sort of comeback. Uh, the best games here, though, that I went to, saw the Cubs win game three of the NLDS. It was the, the Rizzo, respect me, uh, bloop single off. Um, I guess I forget who they brought in, but Scherzer started the game. Still your pin uh, tweet on Twitter? <laughs> My pin tweet, yep. Uh, so that was the best game. Uh, next, I had the Cubs-Giants game at AT&T Park, our first uh, game that we ever saw there. Yeah, that was probably the coolest moment uh, that I've seen at a game was when Bias at the inside the parker. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it was our first time at AT&T Park on our brother's road trip. And it was the 10-year anniversary of Barry Bonds' 756th homer. Yep. And we were sitting right next to where he hit it, where there's a sign in the outfield. And then Javi Baez hit an inside the parker that hit off the wall right below where we were sitting. Yes, and uh, the right fielder, uh, Moncrief, I believe his last name was, made one of the most amazing throws, all for not. But it was yeah. like from maybe 10 steps in front of the warning track in like deep right center and just on a line. But he was safe. So go uh, go YouTube that video. Uh, saw the Cubs beat the Cardinals twice, uh, which is pretty sweet. And then saw a Cubs win at Miller Park uh, toward the, towards uh, the end of the season. We haven't mentioned the uh, doubleheader that we experienced together at, I was going to call it US Cellular, guaranteed rate field yeah. uh, with uh, like a brunch beforehand. <laughs> All-you-can-eat buffet. All-you-can-eat buffet, yeah. Well, I think we kind of like, what, seven hours, over seven hours of baseball there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were, for the second game at least, we were five hours back the whole game. Felt like you could reach out and touch, like, J.D. Martinez, yeah, Miguel Cabrera, Brad Osmus. Uh, Justin Wilson. That's right. Tried to close the game 
I guess he d- ended up doing it. He did, yeah. very well. So that should have been a foreshadow. Yeah, sign of things to come for the Cubs. All right. Well, uh, let's move into our top five moments. Uh, we each share our top five list with the audio uh, mixed in between. So, Paul, I'm sure we'll have a lot of crossover here, but um, uh, specific moments. Is postseason uh, eliminated from this? No, it counts. Um, so maybe I'll give my five. Go for it. And then you can give yours. All right, so my top five, and I did these in order. Uh, number five is Chris Coglin jumping over the catcher. Uh, Coglin played for the Blue Jays. He jumped over Yadier Molina. Lar hits it high and deep to right. Piscotti back on the track at the wall. It's over his glove, off the wall. Coglin is headed for third. They're going to wave him home. Here's the throw from Piscotti to home plate. And Molina can tag him. What a play by Coglin. He jumped over Molina and landed squarely on home plate. Number four on my list was the home run derby. Uh, I cheated a little bit. There's not one particular homer that stands out, but just overall, it was a crazy night. So much fun to watch uh, Gene Carlo and Aaron Judge and even Justin Bohr just hit so many home runs at Marlins Park. So uh, here's the best of the 2017 Home Run Derby. Take a long time to come down. Oh, here we go. That is a ball. Compared to your other experiences, the Little League World Series and just being a Dodger. This blows it out of the way, out this, of the water. This does. Oh, yeah, this was, this is the best experience I've had playing baseball. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, oh, that's a big right here. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 513. I broke my mic. <laughs> oh, there it is. I fixed Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> well, oh, my God. Okay. Wait a minute. If it hits the roof, it doesn't count. know what to say. I mean, I, I, what do you say after those balls? <laughs> he hit two over 500. This is that guy. Oh! Oh my goodness! That oh. is a mammo! <laughs> Judge is ready to walk off. <laughs> he put the he mic dro- down. He dropped the mic. <laughs> there it is. Ladies and gentlemen. Drop the bat. Aaron Judge, your 2017 home run Number three on my list was uh, World Series games two and five. Uh, again, I cheated a little bit. Game two, the moment that sticks out was the Marwin Gonzalez homer off uh, Kenley Jansen. At that point, uh, Jansen had been dominant in the playoffs, not really touched at all by the Diamondbacks or the Cubs or even the Astros in game one. And uh, Gonzalez had a game-tying homer off off him in the ninth inning. And I, I think that shifted the series or revealed that it wouldn't be a Dodgers landslide. And then game five, the moment that sticks out was the Carlos Correa moonshot, one of like a dozen homers in that game. And uh, that was off Brandon Morrow, I think. So those are the two moments that stick out. Arwin Gonzalez, two strikeouts and a walk. Gonzalez hits one in the air into left center field. Back at the wall, and 
is gone. Tie game in the ninth. Marwin Gonzalez. And it's 3-3 as Gonzalez has his first home run of this postseason. And it couldn't come at a bigger time. You cannot pull a cutter, it seems like, but if you allow the cutter and the spin to go to that natural swing the other way, it might even been Gonzalez was late, but his power and the speed of the pitch is what got it in the gap. And I said it, the Astros have to dent the bullpen. It has been that difficult for big league hitters to score off the dot. He lifts it into left, down the line, up the wall. Come on! Number two for me was Nolan Arenado's walk-off uh, three-run homer that also completed a cycle that day. Three-run homer, walk-off to win um, by two, and then also hit for the cycle. And any kind of dirt ball, you have an aggressive, fast guy at third in Blackman. Here we go. High fly ball, deep left field. Way back. Oh, Rockies win! Lastly, my number one moment was the walk-off, I guess the game-tying hit, and then the walk-off in the Indians' 22nd win in a row um, that we referenced earlier. Uh, depending on how you look at it, either the best streak or the second-best uh, winning streak of all time in baseball. And they uh, came back and won in dramatic fashion. Eric Gonzalez tying run at first base. Two down, bottom of the ninth, 2 2 pitch, swung on, line drive, deep left field. Back goes Gordon. He's at the wall. He leaps. He can't make the catch. Coming around third with the tie run is Gonzalez. Into second is Lindor. The Indians have tied it down to their last strike in the bottom of the ninth. Right man in the right spot. Here it comes. A swing and a drive to deep right, down the line, base hit, into the corner, around third, coming home, Ramirez. It's a game winner for Jay Bruce, and history marches on. Very good list. Yes, there was multiple crossovers there. I also had game five of the World Series and the um, Arenado walk-off. Uh, home run cycle. Did you do yours in order? Uh, I did not. No. Okay. Uh, the three that weren't. Wait, you didn't have the Indians winning streak? Uh, did not. Because, wow. yeah, you're looking for a moment. Yeah, well, the moment where they win that game is crazy. In retrospect, that maybe should have been in my top five. Uh, I've got uh, 
Cooperstown, Bagwell, uh, Pudge, and um, Tim Raines being inducted. Just that overall moment. Well, no, I specifically liked uh, Tim Raines' speech. So here's a clip from it. You know, the one guy I want to talk about who was inspirational for me, especially in the past three or four years in my candidacy into the Hall of Fame, and that guy is Jonah Carey. This was a kid that grew up watching Tim Raines play. I remember seeing a picture of us. I think he had to be about six or seven. And I was in my, my Montreal uniform and he told me this was, this was me. I mean, Jonah's about 30 something now. I say, no way. He said, yeah, this is me back in the day. You were my favorite player. He said, I, I watched your every move as a player. And today I want to thank him so very much for his support and for him getting me, getting that name out there. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I was able to do that I didn't even know myself. This guy told me about stats that I'm like, did I do that? You know, and not only that, you know, we become really great friends. Number three on my list. Um, but you didn't rank them. Like initially, but as you were talking, I was ranking them. Okay. Number three. Wait, so that was that four? Uh, that number one was the World Series. And that was number five. The Arnado was four. So I've still got three and two left. Number three is uh, Albert Pujols. Uh, his 600, 600th homer was a grand slam, which is um, kind of a big deal. The one-two. Breaking ball out toward left field. Hugging the line. This one's got a chance to go. Big fly for Albert Pujols, number 600. Albert Pujols, the ninth man in Major League Baseball history to get to number 600, and it was a dramatic towering shot down the line with the bases loaded. And then the same day is my number two, June 3rd. Uh, We already mentioned this on the podcast, but Edison Volquez pitching a no-hitter on what would have been the birthday. Uh, of Jordano Ventura, his good friend, would have been his 26th birthday, and it was actually in the the same park uh, of the late Jose Fernandez as well. So after the game, he dedicated uh, his performance to uh, to both Fernandez uh, and Ventura. One strike away from a no hitter. Everybody's got the cell phone cameras ready to go. Got to capture the moment. Owen two to Chris Owen. Real Muto's got it, and the first no-hitter of 2017 belongs to Edinson Volquez of the Miami Marlins. Put him away on the changeup, and he's had the, might be the best changeup we've seen all year from any pitcher 
and he utilized it this whole game, getting all kinds of strikeouts. His command was good. He was one tough cookie. And Candy, we talked about that gimpy right ankle injured on the first play of the game, that long wait he had throughout the bottom of the eighth inning, an inning in which he had to hit, but he came out and struck out the side in the ninth. He faces the minimum for the ball game. He walked two, he struck out ten. He was phenomenal this whole game, and he had to overcome, like you said, that injury. He stayed with it. He had two key double plays in this game early on to Brandon Drury, but he finished off in style, and he was throwing strikes. Really had that great off-speed pitch in this game. All right, uh, so also a solid list there. Um, some podcast memories that I'll have from this year. Feel free to chime in with yours. Uh, so my last thing, 2017 podcast thoughts. My favorite guest that we interviewed this year, uh, Dan Rosenheck of The Economist, um, about spring, hmm. spring training stats. One, one of your favorites? Or the, yeah. Okay. Uh, Kyle Newman, Denver Post. Uh, we inter- interviewed him about a famous beer vendor yeah. that had gotten cancer. Um, and I followed his work throughout the year. He's been fantastic. Um, so follow him. If you don't already, Kyle Newman. Uh, James from Astros County. Uh, he appeared twice. Well, three if you count uh, our last episode. Uh, he's a great guy, and uh, I'll think about him and the Astros success this year. I saw he bought his whole history class pizza. Because hmm. it was like a, if the Astros won the World Series, that was the deal, that he'd buy all of them pizza. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like we. this is the year where we started having like podcast regulars <laughs> or friends of the podcast. Yep, Rob, Rob Maines. Jake Devereaux. Yep. Uh, Zach Bruick. He was the uh, DC intern that was at the professional <laughs> baseball game. Uh, that was. Uh, I, I believe the background on that was that you were looking searching for it on Twitter, and he was one of the ones that was like tweeting intelligently about it. Yeah, and he's a great Twitter follower as well. He's, he was actually a very good guest. Doing cool meteorology things. Last two that I had, Chris Massey, a uh, writer from Williamsport, the Little League World Series. And then lastly, maybe my favorite guest of all time, uh, Jeff Corbett, a.k.a. Sammy, <laughs> Sammy Bodine of the 90s classic uh, Talent for the Game. Yes, so Jeff Corbett, great interview, talking about his role of Sammy Bodine and, and talent for the game. Uh, some other things that I will remember. Uh, I'll remember the um, uh, Saturday Night Live and Seinfeld months that we did, the baseball moments from those shows. I'll remember the TWTW dispute, uh, where some of your minions online <laughs> took to bashing me for my constant verbal abuse to your... TWTW stats. I remember the Dodgers curse mm-hmm. uh, that became famous. We dedicated an entire, became famous. We dedicated an entire episode to the Dodgers because we had forgotten to talk about them for most of the year, and then they lost something like sixteen of seventeen games. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost the World Series. I believe there was a hashtag. Yeah. AFITB curse. Something like that. I loved doing deep dives this year. So these were long segments that we did discussing specific topics that maybe were often overlooked. So some of my favorite deep dives, uh, the 2001 offseason, the 1962 Mets, the Pittsburgh drug trials, the Astrodome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did one on Lou Gehrig that was 
uh, really Albert Bell powerful for me. Yep, Albert Bell. Uh, the '98 home run race and then the 1981 strike were all favorites of mine. Uh, I'll remember writing 183 blog posts over the course of 183 days of the baseball. Regular That's season. probably what you'll remember the most from this year. Maybe the most time-consuming. Maybe. Do you have a favorite post? In my last post, which is the pinned tweet of a foot in the box, I listed my top 10. I'll just pull that up now to see what my, because that's a good question, what my favorite one was. I'll probably listen to this 10 years from now and want to know what the answer was. Uh, let's see. So we had the failed bunt GIFs, the best failed <laughs> bunt GIFs. Uh, had one about how big Aaron Judge is and comparing the size of MLB players to other athletes. Um, had one about Chance the Rapper and his White Sox hat that he wears. The Bryce Harper-Hunter Strickland fight in 10 screenshots was a favorite of mine. Had one uh, ranking every Friday afternoon game that I attended at Wrigley Field. Uh, we had uh, an article where I look, revisited, looked back on Bryce Harper's 2009 Sports Illustrated feature by Tom Verducci. Uh, 100 Reasons to Love Baseball that we mm. gave for our 100th episode. Uh, let's see. The five best home run robberies. Uh, 300, 450, 600 club. And then the best baseball duos ranked. That was my top 10. Hmm. Stand by that. Yeah, I think my, my favorite episode from this year was the 100 things we love about baseball. Yeah, it was a great idea. Yes, good idea, Pete. Thank you. Um, a few other things I had, and then I'll let you talk. I'll remember the Russian hacking incident, mm -hmm. uh, where for a stretch our entire podcast feed was taken over by uh, Tanks9, T-E-N-X-9, uh, and it like, downloaded all these new episodes, and so that was, uh, that was weird and scary, um, but we got that fixed. That was during all the Russian hacking election stuff. Uh, another successful season of Summer Flicks. We watched uh, three classics, Field of Dreams, with Scott in Iowa. We watched Pride of the Yankees with our friend Matt from Minnesota and Talent for the Game. Uh, that We already mentioned uh, that was with David from Chicago. Uh, we did another successful live stream of the Home Run Derby. Mm -hmm. uh, Benson. Using uh, successful loosely. Yes, Benson, your son made an appearance. Kevin and Lacey were guests, and then our friend David from Chicago also mm -hmm. jumped in with us. And then uh, lastly, another Brothers Road Trip podcast. It was another fun one from San Francisco. My first, or our first trip to AT&T Park was a great one. Got a tour of uh, Twitter's headquarters. It was a fun, fun trip, even though the weather was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a pretty exhaustive list. Um, I think you covered most of mine. The one segment that uh, you didn't mention that was kind of shocking, I think four weeks in a row in April and May, we were able to call a friend <laughs> or a listener who was attending a game. Mm. So I think we got, uh, one of us was at a game. Uh, listener Andy from New Mexico was at a game. I want to say David from Chicago was actually in Seattle and called in. And then there's somebody else I'm forgetting. Matt was at Nationals. That's right. Yeah. So four weeks in a row, like totally not playing until the last minute sometimes. 
uh, that was fun. Yes, I remember your uh, your um, writing <laughs> project. Lasted could all. You, could you describe what that was? I believe I was going to do a daily um, a threefer. Like I was going to talk. Daily about, triple was the name of it. It's a great name that I thought of. I was going to like do a bulleted list of three things that were interesting that day in baseball, and it lasted all of about one week in like spring training. And I believe the the tab on our website was taken down at some point in like April or May. Yeah, I continue to be amazed, and you know maybe this is a good transition into our last part about just the the listener feedback. Um, amazed that people are listening. So um, yeah, makes me so joy filled to know that like this is actually uh, a valuable thing in people's lives, and that us kind of rambling on and talking about baseball is does something for people so thanks to all the listeners for for this year and i think that's the thing that will stick with me the longest and by all accounts this was our best podcast year by far uh website visitors um unique visitors were up over 100 percent, no matter how you look at it from last year uh we crossed 100 or 1000 page views three different times uh this year and uh in terms of podcasts listens or subscribers that is up you know like 300 percent from where we were last year Mm -hmm. so don't know how credible a lot of that um you know how credible the uh, website stuff is but the podcast analytics can be pretty sketchy especially with the russian hacking thing uh but yeah overall it seems like was our best year yet by far and yeah thanks to all our listeners out there for listening subscribing much appreciated and that does make a good transition into uh, the future of A Foot in the Box. I guess to start, maybe we'll do bad news. We're pulling a John Elway. What's that? Going out on top. <laughs> yes. So the bad news first is that the podcast as it currently exists, or how it, how it has existed the last three years, will not exist next year. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Yeah, so the weekly kind of segment-based podcast that we have done, 2015, 2016, 2017, will not be happening in 2018, and that's, um, you know, sad to see that end, but just kind of a necessary end, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just in terms of the amount of time it takes to edit and prepare for that sort of podcast. Um, But there are a couple... Um, things that we're considering or pursuing and that's the good news the brand will continue yeah so uh i feel like it's okay to share what those possibilities are uh do you feel okay with that i do not (laughs) (laughs) all right tease uh so there's a couple uh intriguing ideas that we've considered and that we will pursue in the coming weeks one of which will be sooner like this week we'll pursue Mm -hmm. that and then if that doesn't go through then we'll pursue the second option yes all right um and we'll keep you posted on what we end up deciding it'll definitely happen um and we'll we'll decide before shohei otani signs (laughs) that's our ultimatum regardless uh i think it's important to note that uh the brothers uh road trip portion will continue so we'll have uh, an episode in late december early january where we do our pitches um, if you haven't listened in the past, that's where Peter and I and our two older brothers 
sit around the kitchen table and decide where we're going to head the next summer for uh, our annual base, baseball road trip. So that that will still happen, and we'll still, regardless of what happens, do a podcast next summer with, our, with the four of us together. So that will stay the same, and obviously we'll still stay you know, relatively active on social media, or Peter will, will stay active on social media. Um, so you can still follow along there. It's not like we're going to go silent completely. We're still going to do, um, I think, our uh, annual games that have gained a lot of traction. Uh, so over-under predictions at the beginning of the season and then um, uh, in the playoffs, pick your team fantasy contest. Uh, congrats to Kyle on the win there. Just paid him his 50 bucks. Or Kevin, sorry, Kevin. Congrats to Kevin um, on his $50 for the playoff game. Um, but both those things will continue. And probably some other things along the way that we're forgetting. So uh, it's the end of one era, but the start of another. And we're excited to let you know what that is in the next couple of weeks. Yes, but um, yeah, I feel like we shouldn't close this chapter without finishing it by thanking all of the listeners. So thank you. You have made this uh, actually worth doing. Um, You know, sometimes it feels like you're Peter and I are just sort of talking to each other because we are, but, uh, but uh, you guys make it worth listening to and love getting texts and tweets and emails. um, It makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Special shout out to uh, a few listeners that have been above and beyond. Great. Uh, David from Chicago um, by far our favorite listener, most dedicated listener. So he's been fantastic from day one. And uh, yeah, special shout out to him. He's appeared, I think, in probably 20 or so episodes as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Special thanks to Matt from Minnesota, also a very loyal listener, uh, big Cubs fan, and uh, also has appeared in several episodes. Uh, Scott from Iowa. He's uh, one of the minions, one of the (laughs) minions that I talked about earlier. Uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, Garrett from Champaign is a listener we picked up along the way uh, this past year. And uh, again, uh, makes the podcast a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Andy from New Mexico, Yep. Um, who, uh, because of his uh, work sometimes, isn't able to listen to us You know, when we produce a podcast, but always feels the need to, to listen to us in order, as yeah. if he's like reading a book or something. Yeah, he binge, binge listens. So shout out to Andy. Uh, appreciate the support out west. Um, I feel like we're forgetting people, but yeah. I guess our brothers, mm-hmm. John and Kevin, more yeah. so Kevin. Kevin was a—he uh, listened more than John. I—I I feel like the thing—the um, thing I'm most amazed at is David listening to us on a weekly basis. The thing I'm second most amazed about is that people were listening to us uh, while they were overseas. I think that's a pretty special thing that we were able to provide kind of a slice of Americana to people that were overseas. So uh, Alex listening when he was in Europe and friends that were in China listening yeah. uh, means a lot. Except the Russians. <laughs> you don't like when they listen. Yes, yes. All right. Well, anything else you'd like to say to uh, listeners or to recap 2017? I don't think so. It's been a... Uh, it's been a fun ride and look forward to the next chapter. What is the one image you'll have in your head when you think back on the 2017 season? The one image. Uh, so like 2016, 
Cubs winning the World Series, right? Yeah, I think of Chris Bryant, his foot almost slipping. Um, did slip. Did slip, yeah. I'll say... 2015. 2015. 14, I think, of Baumgartner. Baumgartner. Uh, 15, I think, of um, uh, Daniel Murphy. Dumb, maybe. Mm-hmm. I also uh, think of uh, the play where Hosmer... Um, Deke the guy into throwing him. Well, home. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll actually say the like the picture that's gotten a lot of traction on Twitter of um, Judge and uh, Altuve standing side by side, because <laughs> I feel like that encapsulates like Judge being the the most dominant rookie of all time, and then the Astros winning the World Series. It's a good one. Usually, it's got to be has to do with the uh, World Series, but there isn't one image that stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Justin Verlander, I feel like this cements him as a Hall of Famer, so maybe I'll think back about that. Yeah, uh, Correa proposing. Yeah, that was a good one. Good one. Let us know your image. Tweet the image at us, maybe, and we'll share it. Uh, Again, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, If you would like to stay in the loop on our future endeavors, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at a foot in the box, and uh, subscribe to this podcast, and we'll keep you in the loop. And you can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or SoundCloud. Uh, send us emails if you have them, a foot in the box at gmail.com. And uh, check out all of our past episodes, all of our past writing at a foot in the box.com. I'm sure we'll have our future stuff there as well. So, a foot in the box.com. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Appreciate it. Have a great uh, off season. And uh, until next time. Thanks for a great year, Pete. Thanks, Paul. One last reminder to keep a foot in the box. Yeah.